in this new series, We Are Impact Church, again, we're going to look back a little bit, but we're also going to look ahead. Um, we're going to look back because I like looking back. I, I love nostalgia. Like, I like looking back and enjoying things I used to watch when I was a kid and things I used to listen to as a kid. I was born in 1985, so I'm a 90s kid. So for those of you that were 90s kids, we had a whole thing we loved in the 90s. Here's what I grew up watching. Some of you that are younger are going to have no idea what any of these are. Um, and most of them actually aren't that great of shows when I watch back when I'm older. But here's what I grew up watching. I watched Saved by the Bell, Full House, Rugrats, Boy Meets World, Ren and Stimpy, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Pee Wee, R.I.P. So that's what I watched when I was a kid. Um, I also grew up listening to different types of music. I had my Christian music that I was a lot to listen to. 90s, if you're a Christian kid in the 90s, it's DC Talk, all your drilling news boys, you know that. But uh, I also listened to like new metal, like Corn and Limp Bizkit and Deftones and Foo Fighters and those kind of bands too. And so now that I am older and my kids are getting to a certain age, I am starting to show my kids everything that I really liked. And some of the things they love it. Like I showed them Sandlot. They love the Sandlot because the Sandlot's awesome. That's why they loved it. It's a great movie. But then I showed them um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And you guys know that movie. Um, even they thought it was dumb. And they're, they're children. And they're right, but it's still great. I love that movie. Um, but here's what I've learned about myself. I can waste a lot of time looking back at my past, looking back when I was a kid. Man, things were so much easier when I was a kid. Looking back and daydreaming about how things used to be and where I used to be, I can spend a lot of time wasting my time looking back at those things instead of just enjoying the blessing that I have today. Because here's the, here's the trap with that, and if you ever struggle with this, you know this, but the trap is one day you're going to look back at today and be like, man, that was great. And so why would we waste our time today looking back when one day we're going to look back today reminiscing and wanting to go back? And I have seen churches do the same exact thing. My, um, my boss, my district superintendent, um, he did a training a, a while back with local pastors. He explained um, how they've learned how churches can grow and then how they learn how some churches start to decline. And he said, he was talking about how when churches start to decline, what they normally do, the first thing they normally do is they start trying to recreate what worked in the past. That's normally the first thing they do. So they do things like, man, remember we had VBS and 50 kids showed up to VBS? Let's try VBS again. That'll probably work. Or remember when we had that coffee house, everyone showed up? Remember that Sunday school that we did? Let's start Sunday school again. So as churches that are not growing, instead of looking at who they currently are, where they currently are, what's happening in culture right now, who's currently even there to do things, instead of doing that, they go and say, let's just do what we did in the past. But this time we're going to do it with no vision and no people to do it. And that is a, that for churches, that is a slow road, that's a journey down the road of the grave of that church. But I truly understand how that happens. Because this, this entire last couple of months, we've been looking back at the past five years at, at Impact Church. We've been collecting pictures, and we're trying to think, hey, what are, what, what, where do we come from? We have all these pictures that Rob's making a, a slideshow for us on the, on the five-year anniversary. And I looked back at all these pictures, and there were things that I missed about the process. We had a whole launch process, and it was exciting. I mean, it was like, at the time, I didn't feel excited, but I remember just looking ahead of like, man, how are things going to look? Man, how are things going to be? Um, who's going to be part of it? Meeting with other churches. It was exciting. I, I looked at the size that we were then. Back then when we first started, we were 50, 60 people in church. And so when, when new families came, I could meet everyone. I knew every single person at church. And now we've been blessed to grow to a size where I don't know everyone. Unless you wait for me or unless I find you after service, it's hard for me to get to know Everybody. And sometimes I look back like, man, it was nice when I knew absolutely everyone at church. And then I saw some pictures of people that were used to be here that have moved on or that they, they just simply moved or they just found another church and relationships that I don't have like I used to five years ago. 
And I started to get nostalgic, and I started to be like, man, that was great back then. But I would say, for me, as a pastor, if we stay in the past, we are not doing what God's calling us to do. Living in the past does nothing for our future. So this year, we're going to look back at the five years that got us here, and we're going to celebrate it, but we're not going to stay there. Because I want to start looking at the future. Because I truly believe that the best days of Impact Church are not behind us, but they're ahead of us. Uh, I was reading this week um, in Isaiah, book of Isaiah. Um, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and he's talking to his people, his chosen people. And look what he says to the Israelites who have a long history with God. Here's what he, I, God says through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 43, starting verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So what he's reminding them of is the time of Moses. You may know the story of Moses and the sea party. He's like, hey, remember that? Remember when you were a slave in Egypt and I brought you out of that? Remember that time? That's God is reminding his people. But look at this next verse. And this, this is going to be our verse for the entire series. It's going to be our verse for the future. Here's the verse. Two verses, 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The past is great. It's good to remember it. Good to look back because we can celebrate what we, now that we're where we are now, we can start to see all the ways God showed up. It's good to look back. But God says, don't stay there. No, do not stay there. Forget the former things. Because here's what God's telling us. We cannot see a new way when we are focusing on the old way. We can't see it. God is not done with this church. In fact, he's just getting started. He's making a way through the wilderness. He's already done it. I think of our launch process. It was a hard launch process. He made the way through the wilderness. Then we started to kind of feel like we knew what we were doing. Then this pandemic happened and stopped everything. There's another way through the wilderness. He's made a way in the wilderness before. That means he will continue to make a way in the wilderness ahead. Forget the former thing. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. So this whole series, we want to look back. We want to look ahead. So each week, here's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you like the breakdown of each week. Today, we're going to talk about how we as a church, Impact Church, we help people know Jesus. It's our goal for today. Next week, we're going to talk about how we help others find community. As we get ready to launch our groups, we help others find community. Week three, which is our, our five-year celebration, we're going to talk about how we make a difference and how we do that and extend the past. And the last week, which is really going to set us up for the future, we're going to talk about how we care about kingdom growth, not our growth. We have things planned in the future that will not directly benefit us, but it will benefit the kingdom of God. And that's where I think we're called to be. Because I am not in the business of making the, the kingdom of impact church the biggest it can be. I don't care about that. I want the kingdom of God to grow, even if it means us sacrificing and us not growing here. So that's going to be the last week. Today, we help people know Jesus. The very first sermon I ever gave here at Impact Church, there's two verses that I gave that I preached that is the underlining verses that underline all missions of all churches, or at least churches that are doing what they're supposed to do. It's a great commission. You probably know it. It's Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. It says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is our goal at Impact Church. We want to help those that don't know Jesus to be impacted by him. And for those in the room that say we do know Jesus, we are following him. We want to help you to make an impact 
through him so that we can continue to grow and make more disciples. Our goal is to help people know Jesus. That those that don't know Jesus, we want them to hear about Jesus, want them to learn more about who he is, learn how they can have an active relationship that actually impacts their daily life, help them take the steps to surrender to him. But those in the room that already know Jesus, we want to help you to know Jesus more, to learn more about him, to spend more time with him, to look more like him, to continually surrender to him so you can enter into his mission. Right before Jesus is arrested, he prays this, this great prayer in John chapter 17, this, this prayer that, that John records, and here's how his prayer starts. Jesus, right before he's about to be crucified, he's about to be arrested at the, the garden, here, here's what he says. After Jesus said this, he looked down towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. The Greek word here for know, which we talked about last week, is gnosko. It appears over 200 times in the New Testament. It isn't just to know as in like you understand something. It is to know intimately. In fact, uh, when, Mary, when the angel comes to Mary and tells Mary that she is pregnant, um, she responds, how am I pregnant? I have not gnoscoed with a man, as in I have not known a man intimately. As a church, our number one goal is to help people know, as in gnosco, Jesus, to be in an intimate relationship with Christ, to have an active relationship with him. I'm not interested in helping people believe in Jesus. I'm not interested in helping people do that, even though that's a step in the right direction. That's not my goal. Because if we do that, who cares? Believing in Jesus doesn't change anyone's heart. Believing in Jesus doesn't redeem anyone. Believing in Jesus doesn't give you purpose. It's knowing Jesus that does all of that. So how do we do that? I, I've heard it this way many times, and this, this is the way that we're going to talk about it today. How do we know Jesus? How do we help other people know Jesus? There's three ways. We gather, we scatter, we stick together. We gather, we scatter, we stick together. First one, we gather. As the body of Christ, which is the church, we are called to gather. That's what we're called to do. And if you look at Jesus, here's how Jesus gathered. He gathered in groups of one or two people, intimately. He gathered with his group of disciples, the 12. And then he gathered in large settings in the temple. That's how Jesus gathered. So one or two people. And then you have relationships with just one or two people at a time. I like getting coffee with people. I like going to lunch with people. I like just connecting with people in a one-on-one -on -one basis or just a couple other people. There's something about doing that that builds intimacy, that, that you can just get deeper and be more yourself in those situations. We're called to gather that way. We're also called to gather in groups, in groups of five to 12 people. It's not as intimate, but you're still connecting to a bigger body without getting lost in the shuffle. You can learn from each other. You accomplish more together. You encourage each other. You hold each other accountable. You grow together. But then we're also called to meet in large settings like we're meeting right now, to meet with other people, coming on a weekly basis to a church service where you can be refreshed, you can worship, you can be energized, and you can feel the Holy Spirit in a very real way. All three of these are the full expression of the church. All three of these have the Holy Spirit in them. We are called to continually gather. If Jesus decided in his time here on earth to meet individually with people, to meet in his group of 12, and continue to go to the temple, the one person that probably didn't need to go to church was Jesus Christ, right? But he continued to go to the temple. If he decided to do all of those, 
then we should really do all of those as well. When you think back of your faith, if you have faith and you're in the room, you think back of how you found faith and how you learned faith, most likely there is a person associated with how you found faith, most likely. I think back of um, the first church that I really remember going to was um, uh, in Woodlawn. It was called Celebration Church. Pastor Paul was there. I, I connected really well with Pastor Paul because he had sons that were my age. In fact, that's how I met Kimmy. Kimmy and I went there when I was in fifth grade. She was in third grade. So when we went there, that's, and that was the first time I really started to connect with God. And then eventually I left there and I went to a youth group where a guy named Pastor Steve was there. And he was really into music. I was really into music. So he took me to all these Christian concerts and Pastor Kevin was there and he really spoke truth about things. And eventually the, a new youth pastor came and he eventually left to start a new church um, called Pastor AJ. Without those people, I don't know if I'm here. I don't know if I still have faith. Most likely when you think about your faith, there are people that are associated with that. But here's the problem. When you think about the times that it's been the hardest to have faith, when you think of the times that you've had doubts, the times when you've been hurt the most, most likely there's also people associated with that too. And that's why sometimes we have trouble gathering. Because remember the past. Even though you've been hurt by people, it doesn't change the fact that you need people. You need community. We're designed that way to do life with others. So as a church, we need to gather. Here's what, how Hebrews says it. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. When we gather together with others, our perspective begins to change. It adjusts so that we can serve someone bigger, someone who has a bigger plan than we can imagine, and we are invited to participate in it. So if you come to Impact Church and all you do is come and consume, you don't participate, you don't serve, you don't connect outside of these walls, you come, you hear the sermon, and you leave, you are missing out on a significant aspect of your faith that you can only have when you gather others. That's why I have a, I have a love-hate relationship with the live stream. We didn't do the live stream for a long time. COVID made us do it. We had to do it. And when we first started, you can ask Rob and Frank, some of the staff, it was terrible. We didn't know what we are doing, right? We are doing it as quickly as we could. We are trying to figure out ways to do it. Um, and so I, kind of, I like the live stream for a couple reasons. One, if now if you ever miss, you can catch back up. Back in the day, like, you miss church, you're never hearing it again. It's gone in the wind, right? You would never hear that sermon again. And then eventually they had CDs. You would get sermons and CDs. If the series was really good, the pastor would make those. But now you, if you miss, if you're on vacation, if you're gone somewhere, if you're sick, if kids are sick, because kids are always sick, because Kids are gross. They're always sick all the time. Like, if you miss, now you can check back. You'll never have to get lost. It's also, live stream is the new foyer. It's a new front door. Any, every new person that comes in, they've already watched most of the time. Most of the time, they've already seen a couple. They know whether they like the preaching style. They know whether they like the worship before they come in. So I like live stream for that reason. I also hate it because it makes it so much easier for you to just consume. I remember when, when uh, COVID happened, uh, I remember we would record it, pre-record it, and then we would show it. So I would watch live with you my sermon, and it was awkward. <laughs> like, it, it felt weird when I prayed on the screen for me to pray with me. Like, it felt weird. But I remember Eric and I used to start folding laundry while we watched church, and we're like, this is kind of nice. This is easy. It's like, we, can, we don't have to get it. We can just wear our PJs. It's kind of nice. But very quickly, you can get to points like, oh, man, it's, this is easier than showing up and dragging the kids and doing that. It's so much easier to stay away because of it. 
Jesus never called us to sit here, listen to the preacher, and consume. God actually calls us to be ministers of the gospel. You cannot do that when you sit at home, watch a live stream each week. And aren't all of you glad that you decided to come to church today and not watch online like some of the people are doing while I'm talking about you shouldn't do it that way, right? But here's, I like, a, I like the Tony Evans quote. Um, you probably heard this quote. I've said it many times. But here's Tony Evans' quote about gathering at church. I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. You don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. Number one, we gather. Number two, we scatter. We scatter. The church was never meant to be a holy huddle that we just simply come to. We come to, we stick together, we don't go out and mention anybody else. That's not what it was meant to be. It's not meant to be a holy huddle for the rich. The church has always been meant to be a hospital for the sick. The best way I've heard um, people talk about evangelism, my, my favorite description, is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. We cannot do that if we stay here gathering together, and that's it. We also are called to gather. If we limit the church to just this gathering, we aren't actually living out the Great Commission. Here's another way I heard it said this week. The church is like compost. When you spread it out, it makes great fertilizer. When you pile it up, it smells terrible. And that's what we're called to be. We're called to gather. We're also called to scatter. We scatter to our workplace, to our neighborhoods, to our local stores, to our communities. We live out the gospel in a real way to tell other people about the cure for our sickness that we found, for the hope that we all need, for, for, the, for the God who gives us grace that everyone needs. We are called to scatter. At Impact Church, we always need to be a church that is like this, open hands. Here's what that means. We have people here, great, but they're not our people. So if you feel called to go somewhere else, then go. We send you. If we have resources, they're not our resources. So if there's people that are in need or other churches that are in need, we're called to give. We, we're going to talk about this in the future. We've already helped with the church plant. We were a church plant. Five years ago, we were a church plant. We had a lot of churches that were like this. We wouldn't be here today if we didn't have churches that were like this. We're five years in. We are starting to learn what to do now that we're five years in. We started to figure it out. So we are not called to be, we're a church planner that we want to help other people. We already had Temi come. We helped him. We have another church planner that's coming very soon. And we're going to give a lot to that church as well. We want to be a church that's always planning other churches because it's not about our growth. It's about the kingdom's growth. So we have to sacrifice our resources in order to do that. We're going to do that. We gather, we scatter, but we have to stick together. Can you imagine if the church, with all of its diversity, with all of its different gifts and strengths, with all of its different thoughts and beliefs, can you imagine if we actually stayed united, if we actually stuck together? What if we, as if at Impact Church, say, you know what? Here's what we believe. Here are the primary things that we believe are essential to following Christ. That would be that God is the creator, Jesus being the son of God. Jesus actually died and was resurrected because of we have hope. What if we said those are the essentials of our faith, and we are going to stick together around the primary things, even though we are diverse in how we think about other things? Imagine what the culture that is fueled on polarizing us, on making us fight each other, Imagine if the culture saw a church full of people that were very diverse in all different thoughts and all different ways we think, but stick together under one mission to be a church that is, makes a difference. That Because Jesus is the hope of the world that we are going to stick together with that. Even though we disagree on plenty of other things, we are going to unite because of the mission. That is what the church is called to be. Jesus even prays for that. In John 17, 
skip down a little bit from the beginning of his verse. First, he starts praying for the disciples. He's about to die, so he prays for the people that are there. They're the first ones that are going to really preach this message to the world, and they're going to die for this message so that this message continues on. Here's his prayer, starting in verse 9. I pray for them, being the disciples. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they, so that they may be one as we are one. So first he says, I just pray that they stick together, that they stay united, that they, they stay together. But then he prays for us. Look what he says next in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. We only believe this because of what they started thousands of years ago. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Unity is mission critical. It's what it is. We gather, we scatter, we stick together. Why? Because the world needs to know about the hope and purpose that only Jesus can offer them. And Jesus commissioned us to do it. So as our church, our goal is to help people know God. That's our goal. So to, to close today, I want to give you a visual that I actually learned this week. So if you hear this and you think, that sounds really smart, it's because I didn't make any of this stuff up that I'm about to say, okay? So, um, but a visual that I learned that if we want to be a church that helps people know Jesus, who are we called to be as a church? And, and some of this stuff is going to start to make sense to you as, as we go, but I heard this from a pastor named Aaron Brockett. It's called the three circles. Here's the three circles, and I put this on your impact cards if you want to write this stuff down. When we read what the church looks like in the New Testament, there are really three types of church we see. And if we look at church, especially in America, you can really find three different types of churches that we could place churches in. These three types of churches, you're going to have one that you kind of like more than others, and that's fine. They all have biblical reasons for existing. Here are the types. The first one is this, and we can even put the Trinity with all three of these churches as well. The first one is the doctrinal Word of God churches. You can put God the Father here for the Trinity. This, these are churches that are heavy, heavy emphasis on doctrine, heavy emphasis on the Word of God being truth. They will, they, their series, they don't do series, they start. Okay, we're going to start in Genesis, and we're going to preach all the way through the Bible. When we're done, we're going back to Genesis, right? They are heavy, heavy doctrinal Word of God churches. And there's biblical reasons for this. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. Hebrews 4, the Word of God is living and active. And there are so many strengths to these type of churches. They're great at biblical teaching, high value on theology. They can discern false teaching really well, and they make disciples great. But if they're not careful, and this is not, I'm not saying this about every church is this way, but if they're not careful, here are some potential weaknesses that they could fall trapped to. If they're not careful, they could become dogmatic, legalistic, judgmental. They don't always attract people that are far from God. They're, they're very good at cleaning up the saved, not so good at reaching the lost and the hurting. So that's first circle, doctrinal word of God churches. Second circle, attractional mission of God churches. You could put God the Son here. High emphasis on evangelism. High emphasis on making it as easy as possible for people that don't normally go to church to come to church. You may hear churches that have said, we're, we're a church for those who don't go to church. We are a church for the unchurched. High attractional. Very culturally relevant. We can put 
God the Son here. First Peter 3, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Second Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors as if God is making his appeal through us. And there's a lot of strengths from these type of churches as well. They are very, very good at reaching lost people. They're very good at, at people that are, that are lost, helping them to find Jesus and get to know Jesus. They're really good at growing and scaling because every person that comes in is, is, a, is not just a number, it's a story. Uh, it's a person it's a, with a story. And so we need to grow and have the right system in place so that we can grow and scale because every other person that comes in, it means we grow as a church and more lost people are finding Jesus. There's their strengths. And not always, but if they're not careful, here are some weaknesses, if they're not careful. They can become theologically light. They can become shallow if they're not careful. They can over-assimilate into the culture because they want to make it as easy as possible to come in, so they over-assimilate and look too much like culture. Their sermons, if they're not careful, can become more self-help talks than actual sermons. They might get one verse in there, maybe two, as more of a self-help talk, like you watch a TED Talk, if you're not careful. That's the second circle. The third circle is this, the charismatic movement of God churches. We would put the Holy Spirit into this one. We see this amazing power of God. We see healing happening here. We see energy. It's just that when you go in that church, it's just alive and vibrant, and you, the Spirit of God is moving in that church. If you look at the book of Acts, that's this. The entire book of Acts is the movement of God. And the strengths of these churches, that's the best worship you'll ever hear. You're not going to hear better worship than in these churches. For, when it comes to prayer, those are the people you want praying for you. Because other people might pray, it's like, hey, if it's God's will, and they're going to say, no, no, I'm praying for healing right now, and I believe you're going to be healed. That's the prayers that they'll do. They are faithful, and they are passionate. But what are some weaknesses? If they're not careful, here are some weaknesses. They can elevate personal experience over good theology. Uh, they can become showy at times. It kind of becomes more of a show. So when you look at these circles, you most likely resonate with one of these three circles. That's my guess. It probably has to do with the church you were saved in or, or how you grew up or just your personal preference. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. We all do that. If I had to pick a circle that I resonate the most towards, it'd be the attractional mission of God churches. That's just what I resonate. Every church I went to, I've ever gone to, has been in that category. I, I just do that. But if we're not careful, we can easily start to lean into one of those circles and then villainize the other two because they're not doing it right. That's not what the church should be. That's not what the church should be. No, because no. this is my preference, and we can very easily start to do that. Where at Impact Church should we be? My guess is you probably know the answer. Here's where we need to be. And you all see that and go, I agree. Yes, we should be there. But here's what that means. You'll never be happy because you are attracted to one of these three circles. So am I. So that means we will do things that you won't like because it's not your base, it's not your preference. If I've already heard people say, you're not word enough. You're not mission enough. You aren't movement of God enough. For people to say, hey, why, do we have, why does the band have to be so loud? Why do we have to play the songs they do? Why do we have to have lights? That's the word of God. We can just go back to basic, just acoustic, nothing else, and just preach the word. I've already heard that. I've heard things like, hey, why, why do we have to preach on certain topics? Why did you have to preach on human sexuality? People were upset that I was preaching that sermon. Why are you going to preach that sermon? Because what if someone else comes in that doesn't know Jesus, then they're going to be mad, and they might leave. Why would you do that? Do, as we're Church of Nazarene, we believe at Church of Nazarene that the Holy Spirit is greater than the sin that is in you. That means when you fully devote yourself to the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be perfect. You will always make mistakes. But the Holy Spirit is greater than the sin that is in you, so you can live in holiness because of that. And I think people say, you really believe that? You believe this, the whole, that's, that's true in, in, in Christian holiness? That means that you will not agree with everything we do. And I have another good news for you. You don't have to. 
It's not necessary. I don't agree with everything because at times I want to be an attractional missional church because that's where I lean, where I want to make sure we're everything. You don't have to agree with everything. And also means we're not going to do it right all the time. We will mess up. We've messed up a lot in the past. We're going to continue to mess up at times. But as we look in the future, I don't want to be the church with a really good band because our worship band's great, but it's a loud, good band with good kids ministry with a pastor with tattoos who talks about Dave Grohl a lot. I don't want to be that church, okay? That's not my goal. That's not the church I want to be. I want to be a church that stands on the word of God unapologetically, that I, we are not worried about offending other people when we are talking about the truth of God because it's God's truth. So we are going to talk about it. If it offends people, God's truth, then it offends people. But I also want to be a church that understands that people that don't know Jesus are going to be here. So the only thing I want to offend you with is the gospel. I don't want to offend you with anything else. I don't want to offend you with anything else. And I want to make it as easy as possible that we preach truth, to preach in a way knowing that we are all a different journey, a different part of our journey of faith, and we all have different things that we are dealing with, so we are going to preach it in a way that we're not apologizing for it, but we understand there's different people in the room. I want to be a church like that. And I want to be a church that helps people that when they meet Jesus, that they encounter a movement of the Holy Spirit that fuels them to live on mission. That's what I want church, Impact Church to be. A church that stands on the word of God, that follows the mission of God through the movement of God. That's where we're going. As a church, our job is to help people know Jesus. And as this series continues, we're going to talk about more ways that we are called as a church to live out this mission. Let's pray. God, thank you for the grace you've given us, for the mission you've given us, for um, the responsibility that you've given us to preach the message of hope and grace that we have through you to the entire world. God, thank you for loving us the way that you do. For even though we are not perfect, that you've given each one of us a purpose. God, help us as we look back in the past five years to, to not get too distracted, but to look ahead and to follow where you are leading us as a church. No matter what sacrifice we have to make, no matter how hard it may be, the journey through the wilderness that you are setting up for us. Help us as a church to do that, to rely on you, to lean on you, to lean on your word, to follow through with your mission through the movement of you. In your son's name, amen. Let's stand and sing this closing song together.